Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. I've been sharing a, a message the last couple of weeks on the spirit of Christmas. Uh, and, and, and I think we asked the wrong question. We often ask, what is the spirit of Christmas? What is the true spirit of Christmas? And I really believe the question is, who is the spirit of Christmas? Because we're speaking about the Holy Spirit. He's not a force or a thing or an inanimate object. He is a person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When we look at the account of the birth of Christ, it's absolutely uh, filled with the impact of the Holy Spirit and, and what He has done to make these things happen. So let's go ahead and let's go right down to verse number 34 in Luke chapter 1. We saw that, uh, or reading before, the angel Gabriel had come to Mary and said, God's chosen you. You have found favor with God. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. And, and Mary, being a young virgin, engaged but still a virgin and unmarried, she said, I don't understand, God. How are you going to do this? And again, what I want us to do is not just look at a Christmas story like we're reading a fable or like we're reading about something that, you know, was just made up. This really took place. And this scripture is for us today to apply to our lives and learn some incredible principles. I think it's important that every one of us understand that God has a plan for us. Can you say amen? I've been working on that. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. The next thing I want you to remember is that that plan or that purpose for, for that God gives you is how you live your life at the highest level. Your life will never reach its fullest potential until you first meet Christ and next you, you begin to understand why he put you on this earth. Every one of us hearing this message, everyone on this planet, whether they're hearing this message or not, we're designed by God with a purpose. We never get into that purpose until we first meet Christ. But once we found Christ to be our Savior, then this exciting life opens up to us. Uh, we have meaning. We have purpose. I, I keep telling you, it doesn't have to be sensational to be supernatural. Amen? Not everything supernatural, sensational. It's pretty to me supernatural that moms love their little preschoolers, you know, and take care of them. Uh, and when dads, if they try to do it for about a day, everybody's in trouble. Come on, that's pretty supernatural. You know, I, I, I've told you this before. You, you, now, you know how hard it is for a wife to say something like this. Phyllis had to go, when, when Meredith and Nicole were really young, uh, her mom was ill. Phyllis had to go check on her mom and she left the girls with me. This is back in the 80s. How many remember the 80s? Anybody remember the 80s? You remember what women's hair looked like in the 80s? What was the one word you could describe? Big hair. Big hair. All right. So it, it was the 80s, and your hair had to be big. And they had long hair. And, 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 uh, oh. and so Phyllis went to see her mom, and she came back, and, and, and she, the girls told on me. And I, I had done my best, and uh, they betrayed me. I felt betrayed because, first of all, I didn't know when you make oatmeal that you had to keep stirring it. I just put it. So we had oatmeal meatballs. I thought it was fine. Just eat it. It's, it's just a different form. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It was oatmeal. It was just, you know, it was oatmeal. Just eat it. Okay, so then the hair thing. So I knew it was really bad when my wife looked at me. Now, wife will never say this. She said, George, if anything ever happens to me, you marry as quick as you can. <laughs> For the sake of these girls, somebody has to take care of these girls. I, I realized then how bad it all was if my wife told me that. that I mean, I was stunned. So uh, the point is, some things that aren't, sensational or pretty supernatural. And there are going to be seasons in your life where you might not feel like 
your assignment or your purpose is really amazing and world-changing. But you know, the person that taught Billy Graham's Sunday school class, that led him to the Lord, we might not consider him the world's greatest preacher or the greatest minister or reverend or whatever you want to say, but I would say that season of his life, when he led that little boy to Christ, who's led millions of people to Christ in his life, I would say that was pretty supernatural in my opinion. It may not have appeared sensational the day the little boy named William Graham prayed to receive Jesus, but I would say that was an amazing thing. That was an amazing day. So what I want you to see, it's important that we track along and, and don't just look at Scripture as theory or applying to somebody else. Every one of us have been designed by God to fulfill a purpose that no one else can fulfill better than you can. No one else can be you as good as you. You can't be someone else as good as they can. So we should stop trying to imitate other people because at best you're a good number two. You're a good imitation. And what we need to do is be the best original copy God made and realize we have a purpose. It fluctuates in seasons. Amen? It has seasons. But you have purpose. So we have purpose. When we begin to step into that purpose, our life begins to reach that level of fulfillment. Also in that plan, these are important steps I want you to apply, is that somewhere in walking through the purpose of God in your life, and that's where I love to teach from this chapter, you will have the same understanding and moment that Mary did when you begin to say, God, what you're asking me to do is too big for me. I don't understand this. So the angel gave Mary the announcement of God's plan. And Mary says to him in verse 34 of Luke 1, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? She says, I, I, I love God. I want to serve God. But what you've asked me to do is impossible. Well, I, I want you to understand, God gives us impossible assignments to make sure that our eyes are on him and not on ourselves. See, if I can do it, I don't need God. If you can do it, you don't need God. You, you understand? And, and so, let's be honest. If I keep doing the same thing I've always done in my life, I don't need God because I've always already done it. I, I, you know, I can do that. I mean, I don't have to pray and fast to go start my car every morning. I mean, is that true? I mean, do you get up in the morning? Oh, God, please, God, in the name of Jesus, God, help me walk outside. Oh, God. And start, come on, you don't do that. You just get out and go do it. I mean, is that right? Isn't that true? You just go do it. And if all of our life is like that, you understand? Then we don't pray. We do not fast. We don't call on the Lord. We don't walk in the understanding. I need the hand of God on my life. But when we continue to walk out our assignment and purpose, He will on purpose, again, I want to repeat it, lead us to those moments of impossibility so our eyes get off ourselves and we're focused on God. God, only you can do it. And God gave, gives her the answer that he gives you and I as we walk through our seasons. Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, whomever, however you want to categorize yourself. You know, whatever, we must be aware and and desiring and knowing that we must have the Holy Spirit come upon us and the power of the Most High to overshadow us. And when that happens, notice what he says. 
then he says, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. When, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in those moments of impossibility, it may not be sensational, but it's very supernatural. When we come to those moments, God does something. Watch this. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. God then does something in your life that you've never seen God do before. See, that moment of impossibility is designed by God to get our eyes on Him so we can say, God, I have to have your help. You must help me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we come to that place, then we can see God do something that's never happened before in our life. And, and, and that's the plan. Now, he says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God, or no word of God is without power. And then verse 38, what did Mary say? Now, we talked about this Wednesday night as we worked through this passage, and I'll say a little bit, but not too much, because we we really worked on this Wednesday. But what was Mary's response? We haven't talked about this yet on Sunday. She said, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Mary understood something that changes how we look at our relationship with the Lord. The word could be translated here from the Greek language. Not only I am the Lord's servant, it's a very strong word. She literally said, God, I'm your slave. So whatever you want to do with me is your choice. I'm already surrendered to you. And now, a slavery is, is one of the most horrific things ever perpetrated on a human being. But we understand from that that when you are a slave, you do not have any rights. That's why it's humanly insulting to, to, to take the rights from a human being under any circumstances. But what Mary said, and here's the thing you and I have to understand is spiritually, this wasn't something she was forced to do. It was something she chose to do. And Mary said, all right, angel, walk, walk, I'm walking you through Mary's process. She said, okay, this is my assignment from God. I don't know how in the world I'm going to fulfill it, but you say the Holy Spirit's going to do something I can't. She says, okay, all right, I'm your servant anyway. I've already given you all my rights. I've already surrendered to you. Can I tell you, that makes your Christian journey, it begins to simplify things when you live like that. I'm not making a decision every day, am I going to obey him or not? It's not left to circumstance. I don't have to get up every day and go, oh, am I going to go? I don't know if I'm going to serve God today. You know, when, 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 when somebody gives you a call, you're single, and they say, hey, I'd like to take you out. You don't have to go, oh, I don't know if I ought to go out with that person. Because, you know, I want to serve God, and they don't want to serve God. And I know what they want to do, but, you know, mm, it's been a while. Mm, hadn't had a date. Mm, it's Christmas. Mm, supposed to be having fun. Mm, Huh? Or you're at work and you say, you know, your boss says, look, you got to make this sale. You got to sell that. And you know, to sell it, you're going to have to, you're not telling a lie. You're just, you know, mm. was this car ever been wrecked? Mm. Technically, what's a wreck? I mean, it was wasn't a big wreck. It was kind of a small wreck. It was a fender bender. They didn't ask me, was it a fender bender? So, no. You got me? But it's when you say, Lord, I'm your servant. So you got up that day. And, and, and so it's easier to make the calls because you've already made a decision. If this doesn't line up with the will of God, then no. See? 
I don't have to get up every day and rewrite my journey. I don't have to get up every day in every circumstance cause a crisis in my life. Because I've already come and said, hey, I don't understand how you're going to do this, but I'm your slave. You know, I don't eat unless you give me something to eat. I, come on, this, I'm going to just kind of push in a little bit. I, I, I don't have a right unless you tell me I can do it. So no, wait, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, how that got you? How did that work for you? I'm going to say that again. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Oh, right. Well, how has that worked for you so far? That work well? Sitting there in jail. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I think they are, aren't they? Is that the clothes you picked to wear today? Is that the food you ordered online? Is that, the, is that your bed you're living in? Nobody's telling me what to do. I think they're telling you what to do, everything you're doing right now. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Is that right? Is that right? How's that working for you? Is that working well for you? I'm not going to go to school. Nobody's going to tell me to go to school. Really? How do you like that? Flipping hamburgers and you're 78 years old. You like that? You like that job? That working good for you? How's that working for you? Don't look at me funny. I'm just trying to come up. That working good for you? All right. I better stop that because I can tell them. So what happens, somewhere we get to this place and Mary said, hey, you know what? You told me to do this. This is God's will. You brought his word. I'm just going to say to you, I don't have the answers, but I'm trusting the God who gave me the assignment. And you know what happens then? She says this. She says, may it be to me. As you've said, she said, I accept your word. And the Bible says, you you understand this, he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He had not come upon her yet for that assignment. First she had to say, I'm going to do what you said. I trust you when I don't understand this. I'm going to take you at your word. And then the Holy Spirit came on her. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't anoint me until after I say yes. Everybody just get that? That's where yes comes in. The yielded servant is the person who encounters the power of the Holy Spirit. I never encounter the power of the Holy Spirit in being disobedient. I didn't say God doesn't love me anymore. I didn't say that you might not even get to go to heaven. But I'm saying you won't encounter the power of the Holy Spirit enabling you to fulfill your mission on this earth until you say yes. There has to come a point where I say, you know, I've been my God. I've been my Lord. I've been calling the shots. I've been doing what I want to do. And that, and this is where I am. Now I'm saying, God, here's my life. Here's my life. And well, what are you going to do today? I'm going to do whatever the will of God is. Well, what if somebody asks you that? Well, if it's not the will of God, that's a no. Well, what about here? That's a no. Well, what about over there? That's a no. Well, what if God wants you? That's a yes. See, it's not just saying no to the devil. It's saying yes to God. Christianity is not how many... Listen to me. I want to help you. Real Christianity is not how many times you say no. It's how many times you say yes. The more I say yes to God, the less time I have to fool around saying no. See, my, my life, my Christianity is not a negative life. Christianity is not do, it's not a life that just keeps from doing wrong. Christianity is a life that gets to say yes to God and keeps seeing God do something He's never done before. He keeps birthing and conceiving and doing something you never knew He could do because you've been saying yes to Him. Lord, I belong to you. See, I belong to you. And God says, okay, let me show you what I'm going to do in your life. It begins to change everything. God takes ordinary people like you and I, and when we say yes, he, he, he has found a partner on this earth, and he begins to do things unseen before. Moses, God, I don't know what to say. I don't want to go back. Those people won't believe me. What if they say who sent me? I stutter. I can't do well. God says, see that shepherd's staff in your hand? Yes, sir, God. Throw it down. Yes, sir. Turns a snake. Pick it up. Yes, sir. It's a rod. Now he says, go back with that ordinary shepherd's stick piece of wood. And when you raise it, the Red Sea is going to part. 
When you raise it, water is going to come out of a rock. When you raise it, water is going to turn to blood. When you raise it, locusts are going to come. When you raise it, they're going to leave. When you raise it, frogs come. When you raise it, frogs leave. What happens? When you say yes to God, God starts right where you are with what you have that you thought was nothing and makes something that you've never seen before. Samson, say yes to God. Keep telling Delilah no. The boy got confused and it messed him up, didn't it? So keep saying yes to God. So he says yes to God and the Philistines come at him. And he looks over there and there's the jawbone of a dead donkey. But in the hand of a man or a woman saying yes to God, the jawbone of a dead donkey becomes the mightiest weapon anybody would ever use. And he slays hundreds of Philistines. Why? Because when you say yes to God, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what was of no value before becomes amazing in the hands of God. The jawbone of a dead donkey doesn't look very supernatural, does it? It doesn't look very sensational. But when you say yes to God, it becomes an amazing thing in your hand. It's powerful like that. And so that's what God does. Let, let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Let, let, me, let me show you something here. Matthew 1 and verse 18. How many are going to find that with me? You'll say amen. Uh, thank you. Matthew 1, 18. Either uh, with your Bible on your device. We'll probably put it up here on the screen behind me and help you out any way we can. I want you to get this word. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, we, 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 two weeks ago, I talked about Joseph. To me, Joseph, for lack of a better term, he was, he's the wild card in this whole Mary giving birth to the humanity of Jesus thing. Because I'm convinced, the more I read Scripture and think and work and pray, that one of the reasons God did choose Mary is that Joseph had chosen Mary. I really believe that God chose Mary because there was a man she was engaged to that he could trust to walk with her through this process and be the stepfather to God Almighty. Now, I'm going to tell you, Joseph was a man. He was a dude. He was bad. You can say whatever you want. He was a man. He was a five-star man. And by the way, with all this crazy stuff going on, you know, that, that, that's coming out now about sexual abuse, women being abused, and all these perpetrators and predators, what, what have we taught from day one, five-star man? We say one of the f- passions of five-star man is that you're gallant. That's an old-fashioned word. People want to laugh. But what does it mean to be gallant? You've heard it. Come on. I want to listen. This is the kind of man you want to marry. This is the kind of man you want to date. This is the kind of boys you want to raise to men. What does it mean to be gallant? It means that in regard to women, we look at them in three ways. If they are younger than us, we treat them like our daughters. If they are same age, we treat them like our sisters. If they are older than us, we treat them like our mothers. And our eyes and our passion rest with our wife and our wife alone. That's a gallant five-star man. Children and women are always safe around us because we will honor God and treat them the way God intended men to treat them. That's, that's what godly men do. That's what godly men do. And so, I, I, you know, man, I'll tell you something. If I was a woman in this culture today, I wouldn't walk to church. I'd run to church. I would get myself in the presence of godly men who, will, who I can trust, who will, will, will be a safe place for my family and my children to grow up and a safe place for us to be. That's exactly what I would do. If I was a lady and, and, uh, and, and married and my husband wasn't going to a place like this, I'd get him there. I, I'd want my husband to be a five-star man. I, I would do whatever I could do for him to be, begin to understand how to release the man God called him to be. That's just for free. So let's look at Matthew chapter one eighteen. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. 
But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. How was she with child? Through the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. And again, this, although they were engaged, we just read that these terms, husband, wife, divorce, these are terms that began to apply in the Jewish culture even during engagement. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So this was a kind and righteous man. Although his heart was broken, he didn't believe. Obviously, he didn't believe what Mary told him. She said, you know, God has visited me. This is the plan of God. I've conceived this child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph didn't believe her, nor would any of us have believed her. All right? And so, but he was kind enough to say, I'm not going to make a public spectacle of her. I'm just going to do this privately. All right? Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. What we read in in, in Luke chapter 1 is that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. With God. And so what Joseph is struggling in this whole scenario and the work of the Holy Spirit, what all of us have to understand in our walk with God is that the work of the Holy Spirit is bigger and greater than us. That God will do a work in our life and through our life that will surpass our ability. We have to trust Him. That's where faith comes in. The Holy Spirit will lead us and God will guide us to face situations bigger than we are. How many hear what I'm saying? Don't run from those situations. Don't be afraid of those situations. God will be with you in the impossibilities. He's with you. He's with you. In fact, you know, the more I understand this, uh, I, I, you know, we can't put this all across the board, but I think in the majority of times, let me say that, God will never be closer to you than when you face the impossible situation. If you really want to know God is with me, then, then say yes to the impossible. I don't know if He's with me when I don't need Him like He's with me when I'm Facing impossible. Does that make sense? I don't know. Now, God lives in us. I'm not, don't, don't go to the pot on this, you theologians, all right? But uh, God lives in us. He's with us at all times, at every place we go. But there is a manifested presence of God. There is a coming upon you. There is a clothing, a quickening, an empowering, an anointing, an overshadowing that you will not discover in life, that you will not encounter in life until you say yes to the impossibilities in life. It's just that way. It, it's, it's, when, it's, it's when you say, you know, I want to go to college, but no one in my family's ever going to college. I, I want to do this. And you just say yes to God. And God will empower you and clothe you and be with you. He walks with you in that moment. It's when everybody's going this direction. And you say, I know that's not what God wants me to do. And you say yes to God and go this direction. That's where He clothes you with power. He overshadows you. He enables you. It's that. It's when you've never said yes to God at work. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, you really ought to go pray for that person. You know, you, they just told you all this situation, their family and home. And, and you don't have to stand up on the desk over so everybody on all the cubicles can see you and clear your throat. Say, okay, I'm going to pray over here. You know, you might, you don't have to do that. You just go over and say, hey, you know, put your hand on their shoulder. Let me pray for you. For just, you know, it's not a thousand words. It's the name of Jesus. 
It's faith. It's that point of contact. Say, I'd like to pray for you. Can I pray for you? You know, we, we, we go door to door during serve the city. We've knocked on hundreds and hundreds, probably of two or three, it was probably more than that, several thousand doors by now. And I would say 99.9% of the time when we say, we just want to come pray for you, people say yes. Even in this culture right now, we don't, we just say, we just came to pray. They're kind of like, what? You just want to pray for you. Can we pray for you and your family? Well, and we get responses. Some of these are like, well, it couldn't hurt. I say, oh, okay. I mean, it's not very possible. We'll take that. Or, well, I guess so. We'll take that. And then every once in a while, there's that God-ordained moment where we open the door and somebody says, oh, dang, I just said, God, did you hear me pray? God, would you send somebody? God, you know, it's, it's just saying yes to God. God overpowers you. He cloaks you. He, he, he covers you with his grace. And, and, and it's God with us. See, what is Jesus? What happens when we say yes to God in those tough moments? He says, Emmanuel, God with us is going to show up in your life. Emmanuel, God with us is going to show up in your life. But let me show you one of the great things. Let's back up in this process as we're saying yes to God, as we're following him and being obedient to him. What, what does he say? Look at verse 21. She will give birth to a son. When, see, when the Holy Spirit does this new work in our lives, when we keep saying yes to God on the journey, what happens? She will give birth to a son. You'll give birth to something. The Holy Spirit will give birth to something. And you're to give him the name Jesus. So Jesus walks in in a fresh way in your life. Why? Because he will save his people from their sin. Do you know, listen to me, that as you say yes to God and continue walking in this journey of saying yes to the impossibilities, I want to help you with something, in that process, listen to me closely, God will literally save you from the sinful nature and the curses of the enemy and attack against your life. So, Pastor, what do you mean? Just that. He will save us from our sins. Religion too often just says, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, He'll forgive your sins and you get to go to heaven when you die. So it's kind of like this big gap. You accept Jesus, I'm forgiven, and then there's this rest of your life, then you get to go to heaven. And that's kind of all there is. This says, as you say yes, as the Holy Spirit comes on you, as you keep walking the journey, how many hear what I'm saying? As you stay in step with Him, keep saying yes. Part of that process is of God being with you. As God works with you, God works in you. And he says he's going to save you from your sins. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm saying that in the process, we become different people than the ones that first met Jesus. That along the way, it's not just the same person just trying harder or the same person that added Sunday to their calendar. He says the work of the Holy Spirit in your life will save you from your sins. Now, that doesn't just mean salvation. This Greek word sozo, listen to what it means. It means heal, cure, preserve. Keep safe, keep sound, rescue from danger, rescue from destruction, deliver, give new life, cause to have a new heart. Woo, how many want some of that? 
on an ongoing, increasing way. He literally says that as you and I continue our journey with the Holy Spirit, as we continue saying yes to God. Well, Pastor, I, I, I didn't say yes. I was afraid and said no. Well, what you do is say, God, forgive me and get back in the saddle and say yes. How many hear what I'm saying? Don't, don't let last week's failure rob you of this week's obedience. Don't let disobedience there rob you of obedience here. Well, Pastor, I should have said yes. Okay, well, ask God to forgive you and start saying yes. You understand? And along the way, God with us saves us from our sins. We are healed. We are cured. Not only physically, but spiritually. See, we're, we, you don't live the rest of your life bound to what has held you. You're being freed from your sin. Grace is not your charge account to keep sinning as a Christian. Grace is the power that connects you to God and allows Him to change your life. Grace is what connects me to Jesus. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. He did the work on the cross. But the grace that brought me to Jesus is the connection that has Him free me from my sin. Grace works with me while I'm still in the process. I I hate to quantify it like this, but let's say when you first get saved, man, you you don't know how to serve God. You just thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm forgiven. You you don't know what you're doing, so it's, you know, you just started there. But along the way, you're beginning to obey. You're becoming more like Jesus. You're not perfect. You haven't batted a thousand on everything. And grace keeps me going while I'm still moving toward God. It's not my excuse to stop. It's not, well, I got saved. You know, God knows you know. God loves me. You know, I'm just going to stay here and, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You, you, you didn't get enough. You need to come back and get some more. You understand what I'm saying? But grace is this wonderful covering and acceptance. And we know that God loves us even while we're in the process. But stay in the process. He saves me, rescues me, heals me, cures me, delivers me from sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is looking for God in all the wrong places. Sin is is, is wasting my time, violating God's word, saying no when I should say yes, saying yes when I should say no. It's, it's off track. It's missing. But he saves me from the power of sin. So from, what, what does that mean? We're separated from that. He breaks the power of that. And, and, and so we begin to have the grace of God operate in our lives. It's amazing to see what God is doing. Emmanuel, aren't you thankful that God is with us and not against us? He's overshadowing us. I want you to turn to Acts 5. And I want to make this my last passage for the day. Because I want us to take a moment to pray together today. Acts 5. That's amazing scripture. Mary says, God, find Acts 5 and and verse 15. Mary says, God, I'm your servant. I'm surrendered. Now, again, where are we going to encounter the Holy Spirit without limit? Where are we going to encounter the Holy Spirit overshadowing us? It's when we say yes to God. See, let me help you with this. You don't earn God's favor. You do not earn the anointing. You say yes to God. You, You understand? You put yourself in a place where God can do what he wants to do. You know what I found in my journey? That my the, the decisions are mine, but the ability to back that decision up is God's. Does that make sense? God will not choose for me. But when I choose, God backs that decision up every time. See, when I say yes, then that releases the power. Do you know you can say yes when you don't feel like saying yes? Isn't that awesome? I can say yes when I don't want to say yes. 
I can say yes when I, I don't know what's going to happen if I say yes. I can say yes when my knees are knocking. Yes. And then you ever said yes? See, if you've never said yes like this, yes, God. You, you haven't had a big one yet. You understand what I'm saying? You, if you haven't been scared to death and said yes, then you don't really know what the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit is like. But when you say yes, when you're scared, because you know, I have nothing I can do to make this happen. Boy, that puts my eyes on God then, doesn't it? You get really serious then. You know, it's kind of like, you know, your buddy took you up in the airplane, and he's gotten his pilot's license. He said, man, I want you to, I want to fly you around here and, and uh, you know, show, show you how I can fly my plane now. Look at my plane. Look at, look at the world from up here. So, man, that's awesome. And you get up in the plane, just you and your buddy in that plane, and, and, and about somewhere in the flight, you look over, and your buddy passes out. So, all right. I believe I need to pray right now. You know, you get see, see how focused things become all of a sudden? You know, it, it, and now I've got to drive this thing. Jesus, help me. So you're, you're praying, you're laying your hands on. Aren't you thankful we're Pentecostal? Yeah. In the name of Jesus, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you're not going to leave anything out. You're going to raise the dead, cast out a demon, pray, get saved. It doesn't matter. In the name of Jesus, come to life, speak in tongue. Come on. Woo, Jesus, help me, Lord. So, you, so you, you, you're using the whole arsenal. You're holding nothing back. You're praying. But, but what happened? You, you became really focused. See, as long as we're cruising along in life, you understand what I'm saying? Just doing what we've always done, cruising along. It's when you get in that moment where you said, oh, God, I don't know how to fly this plane. How would you get me up here in the first place, God? I don't know how to fly this plane. What's worse than that, I don't know how to land this plane. That's what I'm really worried about, see. It's in those moments in life. I hope you don't have one just like that. But those moments in your marriage, at your job, with your children, where you say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. God, what do I do? I don't even know what to say. God, my eyes are on you. But I'm your servant, and I take you at your word, and I trust you. Then the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the power of the Most High. Come on, every one of us in this room today, have, had we not had moments like that, we wouldn't be in this room right now. We wouldn't be celebrating Christmas like that. You, every one of us. And here's what I want you to see, is that, listen, if we will learn to say yes when it's not a crisis, you, you got me when I don't have to? If we'll learn to say, yes, God will keep leading us into greater avenues and His work happens in our life. And along the way, He's delivering us from our sins. What a journey. And then I want to end with this, because this word overshadowed is only used five times in the New Testament, in the Greek language. Four times, it's in the Gospels. Twice, when God said, Miriam would overshadow you. Twice, where the disciples went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember that? And, and, they, and they saw the Lord. They were overshadowed. And the only other time it's used here is right here. Look at this. In Acts 5.15. Uh, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Overshadowed is the same word right there. With a man. Do you realize what we just read? That Peter became the shadow under the shadow. You get that? That's who you are. That's who the church is. We're the shadow under the shadow. See, watch this. Mary said, I'm your servant. Now, now here's, let me help you something. Authority 
is the right to use the name, the ability, the resources of someone. If I'm under their authority. So authority, authority comes straight down. It's a straight line. See, if this, is, if this place is where you say, Lord, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you say. I'm under the authority of God. Over here, if I say, no, I don't want to do that today. Well, I don't have that authority. It's right there. It's a straight line. So watch this. So authority comes down in a straight line. Are you ready? But submission goes up in a straight line. So if I'm submitted to God, I'm under his authority. I can use his name. I can pray in his name. I have the resources of the Holy Spirit operating in my life. And this is where the miracles happen. Where earth's submission meets heaven's authority. Boom! The kingdom comes and his will is done in that moment. I have to submit to the authority he's releasing. See, I can't, I can't do it on the George schedule. If authority and if obedience over there, I can't expect authority over here because I'm not submitted. You understand that? I can talk it, I can say it, but if this is where my yes moment is, this is where I've submitted to God. And when my surrender and submission lines up with God's authority, they meet in a powerful moment. Peter, had struggled. Come on, let's help. Let me help you. You know, he said, Lord, I'll never deny you. He denied him. He said, I always serve you. Went back to fishing. He blew it 13 ways. But somewhere in the upper room, he got it back online. He submitted to God. And now this man submitted to God is walking down the street and he's being overshadowed by God. Peter couldn't raise a housefly from the dead. Peter couldn't heal a mosquito. But the overshadowing presence of God that was upon the life of a submitted man who had once blown it but was now lined back up with God. How many are thankful you can blow it and get back under line? That you messed up over here but you got back here. Peter's walking the streets. He wasn't even praying, the Bible said. He wasn't even praying. He's just walking to work. And his shadow, under God's shadow would fall upon needy people, and they would get up well. In fact, it didn't happen just once. It happened so often. People found out how he walked to the temple and ran out and laid people on the street. I mean, it's what it says. And so Peter just going to pray. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, can you see that? They're just jumping up. Healed, 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 healed. Just crazy. I mean, when you, when you, you knew where Peter walked that day because crutches are laying there and mats are laying there and casts are laying there and braces are laying there. You know, just, you could follow him wherever he went. Why? Because he was the shadow under the shadow. And so when we say yes to God, he frees us from our sins, works in our life, and we begin to be His representative on this earth. God with us. God with us. Stand with me. And I, want, I want our whole worship team to come back, if you would. Musicians, singers, everybody, stand with me, please. Do you see what happens when ordinary people like you and me say yes to God? you see what happens when people like you and I that have blown it and get it right? Do you know, how can I say this? My failure doesn't lessen the greatness of God. How many heard what I just said? Just because I can't do it doesn't mean God can't do it. Just because I missed it doesn't mean God's any less God than He was. I missed it, not God. But His mercy brings us back. His grace brings us back. And 
It's not that hard. God, I don't know how you're going to do this. But I'm your servant. So I say yes. He says, now, Holy Spirit, (laughs) overshadow that girl. Holy Spirit, walk with her. Emmanuel, God with us. And I, I, I want the presence of God in my home. What about you? Listen, my wife needs a husband under the shadow. My children need a father under the shadow. My grandchildren need a grandfather under the shadow. My friends need a friend under the shadow. The pastors that serve with me need a pastor under the shadow. My church family that I love so dearly need a pastor under the shadow. Here's what I love to pray and think about these things. These are some of my dreams. What if, just what if, all of us, my mind, can line up under that shadow. And we cast enough shadows over North Alabama. Jesus. See, I'm, I'm not so concerned. I know we need to come here and do what we're doing today because that's where we learn and we get together. You know, we're united. We're praying and encouraged. But, but I really, I really dream about what happens when we go out of here. And your shadow goes and work under the shadow. You understand? Just goes. Come on out, guys. If you're here, I, I, I want us to. I want us to one more time. I'm just a little early on Calvary time. It's all is well. All is well. Look at somebody and say all is well. See, if you the bottom line in this is the overpowering work of the Holy Spirit, the overshadowing power of God. What did it do? It brought Jesus to this earth. That brought Jesus to this earth. We're here to bring Jesus to this earth. Today, I don't have to take you through the drill. It's anticlimactic for this congregation. We could shout out the name Buddha, you know nothing would happen. We could shout out the name Muhammad, nothing would happen. Sun Young Moon. We can shout out the name government or politics. Nothing will happen. We can shout out the name of a political party. Nothing will happen. But when you say Jesus, 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 not just somebody that doesn't know him reading a book, but somebody under the shadow of Almighty God says Jesus. Jesus, my, my, just Jesus. Oh, God, when, when we're with Jesus, when he's with us, it changes everything.